0: Hey, it's Margot Tanto here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here.
1: The Won't you come and sit in my window seat
0: again? hey everyone welcome back I am so glad that you're here with me today me and Ms Lisa Congdon back together again to bring you some insights on living that creative life. First though, I want to read a really great review. Thank you, R.T. Charlie. R.T. Charlie says, amazing. I did a random search for audiobooks about art last year and ended up listening to Lisa Congan's book about finding your artistic voice, which got me following Lisa on Instagram. Then, just as I was running out of books and podcasts to listen to, Lisa posted that she was going to be on a podcast called Windowsill Chats, so I decided to check it out. After listening to Margo and Lisa chat away, offering so many wonderful tidbits about art as well as life, I went ahead and listened to every episode yet released. Thanks, Artie Charlie. Now I'm stuck waiting for Wednesdays to roll around and put more of Margo's pleasant and soothing voice into my podcast feed. I have even listened to a handful of episodes over again. I love it, and you will too, probably. Thanks, Margo. Thanks, Artie Charlie. Lisa and I are really so glad to be back with you, just talking through life and art and the things that trip us up and the things that make it so gratifying. So I'm so happy to bring back Ms. Lisa Congdon. Hey, everybody. I am super excited to be jumping in on the first of the Lisa Congdon sessions. And this time we thought a great topic to discuss would be how do you get yourself in front of the right people and kind of what that even means and when we were discussing this, it just it just really popped up as something that, you know, we encounter over and
1: over again. So let's dig in. All right. Hi, everyone. Well, I you know, I think the first thing to ask yourself is who are the right people for me and what my goals are? So it's almost like you have to take a couple steps backwards because the right people for me to be in front of might be different than for you or for anybody else even in the same industry. So um I think coming from the place of like where do I want to land? Like where what are my dreams and goals for my business? Mm -hmm. What are my dream, you know, dream projects? And then from there saying, okay, these are these are not necessarily the specific human beings, although if you know who they are, that's also helpful. That helps too. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, these kinds of people are the people that I should, you know, be in front of because of my dreams and goals. And again, um, you know, really take that on as an, an individual project because your idea of success or um, dream project is going to inevitably different, be different than, you know, than other people who are, you know, artists or illustrators or designers or, or writers even, so.
0: Um, yeah, so maybe a good place is just a personal exercise of writing down what that feels like and, and not feeling like, oh, I can never, but just who would, is there a certain story you'd like to sell to? Is there an agent you'd like to um, get yourself in front of? Is there, you know, an Instagram account you'd like to be featured on? You know, there's a lot of different levels, levels of that, but write
1: them down when you write them down, it makes them, it makes them real. That's right. And I love what you said about not sort of questioning. Um, I am, I just started this semester teaching um, creative entrepreneurship to, um, some master's uh, candidates at Pacific Northwest College of Art, and so the whole—it's a year-long class, two semesters—and I'm just covering everything business-related. And one of the first exercises that I had them do was to sort of map their, make a mind map or mm-hmm. or a visual map of all of their dreams and goals. And so one of my students said, "Well, what's the difference between a dream and a goal?" And I said, "A goal <laughs> is something you can actually see yourself attaining; like it's realistic. It might feel..." big, but it's realistic dreams are things that you're not quite sure you'll ever get there. But like, if you laid down and closed your eyes and allowed yourself to fantasize about what your career looks like in 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. these are the things that come into your head. And, you know, that's why it's important, you know, to think in terms of not just goals, but also dreams. And then the second thing I said was you are going to find yourself questioning your your goals, but especially your dreams. Um, but it's really, really, really important to hold on to those because they, they're they like your North Star. They're like the thing that even if it, you know it's going to take you years and a lot of effort and discipline and connections and all those things that you work on day to day, keeping your eyes on the prize, as I like to say, is, mm-hmm. is really, I think, really important to keep you kind of focused. And at any point, your dreams and goals can change. And that's also fine. Like sometimes we yeah. think we want something and then we try it or we get there and we're like, this is terrible. Yeah. Doing? This is not what I wanted at all. Hate- I hate having an online shop. And, right. you know, maybe that means you don't have an online shop or maybe that means you hire somebody right. to do packing and shipping for you. Um, at some point. So that that's just, I feel like it's so important because we, especially women, we tended to, to doubt ourselves or our ability to achieve things um, yes. that feel like other, you know, we feel like imposters, right? Like, oh, that's that, you know, Margo did that, but I could never do that. Right. Oh, I know we do that. We,
0: oh my gosh, there's so many topics. Yes. It, it's, <laughs> it's, that's so huge because I think when you're thinking about who you want to get yourself in front of, there's goals and there's dreams in that. And you might, and and there, therein lies the imposter syndrome. You're, you, it might be like, oh, I could never, you know, pick a, you know, crate and barrel would never look at my work. Right. Well, maybe put that as a goal, not a dream. And and then it becomes more real. Yes, yes, they would. And, and it's figuring out how to, you know, kind of do the homework and get yourself out there. But you have to, you have to, own that you can. You have to put it out there in the world that that it's possible, or talk yourself into that, or write it on a post it note, or you know. Mm-hmm. And if are right. talking
1: about specific clients, I also think it's good to do a little analysis, and sometimes it's helpful to have other people do this with you so you get another perspective. But let's say Crate and Barrel is on my client list, my dream client list. Um how to what extent does my work kind of blend with their aesthetic or their brand you know and sometimes we have dreams to work with companies and it's a total like there's a disconnect um and this right. has happened for me before and i've seen it happen with other people and that's not to say you can't go create things that you you know if you really like that brand that probably means you like their aesthetic it probably means you need you need to work on your voice a little bit more to like make it you know um potentially make your work blend with that kind of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, subsection of the industry or their kind of their voice and their aesthetic. It also might mean that that's just not the right dream client for you. And that you need to actually go in search of brands, um, whose aesthetic is more aligned with your work. And sometimes if you don't know what the answer to those questions are, like, who are the right people for me to put my work in, in front of, in terms of, you know, my style, and my voice asking other people their opinion Mm -hmm. is really, really important. Like if you have a community of folks who you trust and you share information with um, who are like into art and design and illustration, that's a really great way to kind of narrow your dream. Because there might be a dream client out there that you don't even know exists.
0: Exactly. There's so much going on that we don't, we don't even know, you know, one of the little things is to go into a store, if possible and turn something over. If it looks like and see if there's a name on the bottom or, um, gosh, there's just so, so many ways there might be nationally or who, who knows, but, um, don't limit your thought process about it either.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say when you do limit yourself or you get too hyper-focused on, I mean, it's good to have really specific goals and, you know, but those can also be really frustrating because if you don't achieve them right away, can feel like you're failing. So opening yourself up to like intermediary right. goals or goals that feel more realistic or goals that might seem more attainable because it's a smaller brand or, you know, your friend, um, you know, Susan worked on this brand and she might be able to introduce you, you know, um, keep the, keep the big right. lofty goals. But also I think one of the things that we should talk about is, is this idea that like, we are sort of in, um, different places in our careers. And that does really impact, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you get yourself in front of somebody, you know, they might be like, oh, this person's too green or their portfolio isn't filled out enough. Or have they ever worked with a big brand before? Um, even -hmm. though they like your work, you know, there, there there's so many factors that go into whether or not you get hired, um, which can feel frustrating because some of it is to do with like your social media presence and, you know, all that stuff.
0: Right. I think that's such a good point as to where you are and, and not letting that stop you or, or discourage you because sometimes it's just getting feedback. Yes, we like your style, but it needs to be more developed or, you know, something like that. If you're able to get the feedback, then, then you know that, and you go back and take another course or do a 30 day challenge or something, you know, is going to move that needle for you.
1: So, yeah. So, so, so the, really the first thing is like figuring out who are the right people for you, who's on your dream list, who's on your more realistic list. Um, you know, as you said, write those things down and then, then the, then the work begins of like putting yourself in front of those people. And mm-hmm. I used to teach this class online, which doesn't exist anymore. So I'll just tell you what I said, but, <laughs> um, that there in my mind, and this is kind of the way I've this is the way I think about it. And I think there are probably other ways to think about it, but I feel like there are two modes to self-promotion and we should all be doing both of them to a certain extent. And at certain parts of your career, you're going to have to rely more on one of the modes and then other parts of your career, you're going to have to rely on others. So the first one is putting your, literally putting yourself in front of people and different ways to do that is sending out mailers to editors or art directors like if you actually can get some information um or you happen Mm -hmm. to have worked with a client before Mm -hmm. um a lot of people put together these little like postcard packs and you know and make them really cute like in vellum and you know um uh make really you know hand letter the addresses um make the art director who receives it want to open it. Um, so that that's kind of like traditionally what what illustrators have done is there's uh, definitely, you know, sending things out or doing an email. If you can get somebody's email and you're pretty certain that they're not going to necessarily, you know, kick you to the curb or unsus- unsubscribe, um, there are ways to get your work in front of literally in front of people's eyes. And and I always like to say that um, you know, there are, there, are those, those people might not necessarily in that moment, pick up the phone and be like, Hey, I have, I have a cover, a magazine cover for you. I really like your work. I mean, sure. That probably happens one in, you know, 800,000 times, but a lot of times they're like, "Oh, this is cool. And then they put it away. And then, you know, I got a call the other day from wired magazine asking me to do a cover and I've never, I don't do very many magazine covers. And um, so it's not something I'm known for. But um, the art director was like, oh, I've been really wanting to work with you for a long time. Like I never sent her anything, but she, she yeah. knew who I was. And like right. years later, she saw something on Instagram that I had posted and was like, it made her think ah. this, something like this will make a really great cover. That leads me to my next category of getting yourself in front of people, but let's finish this one first. So a lot of times, even if you send something or somebody knows who you are, it could be years before you hear from them. So know that it's still worth it. It is. And I want to hold that thought
0: to for a second, because we used to get as art directors or, you know, people that artists were approaching tons more mailed things than we do now. <clears throat> now it's all about the email and things like that. However, note to you all listening, if you send out something and it's beautiful, it has a quote that's memorable, it has something relevant, they're going to hold on to that. So, you know, it will stand out more than it has in a long time, I think.
1: I agree with that so much. I've never been in the position of being an art director, but I I imagine that, you know, you get a lot of beautiful things that you like pin up on your bulletin board and then you mm-hmm. get stuff that you're like, hmm and you throw Mm -hmm. it in the recycling bin. Um, And, you know, if you're the right match for that person or that person's brand, they're going to hang on to it Mm -hmm. um, and even maybe treasure it (laughs) in front of their faces. And so another, another way to do it. So, so there's emailing people and people are always like, how do you know who to email? So a lot of brands have um, websites and some brands even have submission guidelines. Um, Some brands don't, but they might, list people on their staff with their email and you could right. try that um, or with their job title it's it's a lot of
0: CSI work and there's really not a place to go to say oh this is all the people I could reach out to I mean there are like LinkedIn is helpful however
1: you do have to do the work on this one you do and they're also like people's Instagram like fo- you know a lot of art directors they don't have big followings like they're mm-hmm. not they're not they're they're you know, it's probably pictures of their dogs and an occasional product that they did with an artist, but like right. that they're particularly proud of, but most of the time they're just regular people. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to, their, their Instagram feeds aren't going to look terribly like glamorous or fancy, but, you know, follow them, befriend them, comment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, social media is a really great way to get yourself in front of people. You know, um, like I said, I'm not an art director, but um, you could also try DMing a, an art mm-hmm. director or an editor or, um, uh, you know, a buyer for a brand. Um, and just the worst thing that can happen is that you're going to annoy them by doing that. Right. <laughs> and that is sometimes possible, but most of the time they won't write back um, that, you know, there's also a possibility that they, that they won't, you know, I personally think emailing people is better, but sometimes we don't actually know people's emails. And so if somebody says, I'm the, you know, our director of blah, blah, blah on their Instagram feed, I think it's worth it to reach out and, or comment, you know? I agree because
0: it's unexpected really to get um, communication that way. And I, for me, for one, I see it. I, I pay attention to that. Yeah. It it works. You know, I was, we were, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday too about, um, and this is interesting. I hadn't really thought about this, but getting in front. You know, sometimes art directors or, or agents will offer um, a, you know, consultation for a fee or sometimes not for a fee, but if you do that, it's, gets you known to that agent, especially if that's an agent you want to be known to, and it puts your work in front of them. And you are also getting feedback on is your portfolio ready or something like that. That's just another kind of something to put on your list of possibilities that that can work if, if that's if that's one of the things you're looking for.
1: Yeah, that's another great way to like, if you have the opportunity, like my literary agent occasionally does consultations for book, you know, children's book proposals. Um, you know, some agencies offer these services where you can get feedback. Um, that's an, another great way to, you know, to, to take advantage. Um, if you know people who know people, mm-hmm. see if they're willing to introduce you to somebody, um, especially if you know that somebody is looking for artists, right. Um, I've done a fair bit of that. Um, I have a true story, like back in the day when there was no Instagram, I had a blog and there was Twitter. I think I had a Facebook fan page, but you know, maybe 12 people followed it. I had more, for whatever reason, I had more Twitter followers than anything back in the beginning. And my Twitter following hasn't changed in like eight years (laughs) because I don't use it anymore, but it's, I still have an account. Anyway, I tweeted at, um, I said, I made a tweet that was like dream clients, colon. And, you know, I, I like, you know, listed a wallpaper company and a fabric company. And I can't remember if there was one more and two of the three of them tweeted back at me. And then I ended up working with them. (sighs) So I'm not saying that that's going to happen for everyone, but like tag people, I don't mean I, it's annoying to me when I get tagged in people's photos for no reason, they just want me to see it. Um, But if you have a particular reason, you know, to tag somebody in the right, the written part of, you know, the post
0: that might actually help their
1: job, you know, or, you know, get them,
0: you never know. know.
1: That's right. And, you know, a lot of times um, people are overwhelmed by that stuff. And so that's why I want to say, before I move on to the next mode of um, getting your work in front of people, the one caveat I have to everything we just talked about is if you don't hear back, use your best judgment, but only try one more time. Like you do not want to nag people. You do not want to overwhelm people. They will block you. It doesn't, it doesn't look professional. So it leaves a taste for sure. Right. And just remember that like, you're one of many people probably trying to get on somebody's radar. And, um, if, if, if you've got the right talent for them, they're going to respond. Um, not everyone checks their DMs, so try to use email if you can, or a submission form. Like publishers, if you're interested in book publishing, publishers definitely have submission forms. Mm-hmm. But but don't be a nag. Don't you know? <laughs> use use the cues that you're that they're giving you that they're not interested, and move on to somebody else. And that again, that doesn't mean that in three years your work won't have changed and be ready, or that you know um, they won't necessarily you know wouldn't be interested at a later date. That's a great point.
0: Just because it's now doesn't mean in, you know, six months, a year, you, you might not just try that again.
1: Right. So that's the strategic approach is just like literally getting yourself in, you know, being, being a little bit of a, you know, uh, you know, a squeaky wheel as it were. The, the other approach is what I call, if you build it, they will come, which is a, a line <laughs> from uh, field of dreams not necessarily one of my favorite movies, but I I do um, like Kevin Costner and I I do yes. think that um, that is kind it's of true. Uh, a great metaphor. So I have relied on this approach since mm-hmm. the beginning of my career, partly because I don't like bothering people. And mm-hmm. it, back in the day, I used to be really nervous about putting my work in front of anybody's face because I was so afraid of rejection. Mm. So the approach that that I took as a more sort of introverted, less, con, less confident person in the early days of my art career was to just post as much as I could on my Instagram feed and on Facebook and, you know, in the early days on Twitter and on my blog and just make work every day and put it out there, even if it wasn't perfect. And I built a huge portfolio by doing that. Um, and... I really took advantage of social media, which Mm -hmm. at this point is benefiting me a lot because I can pretty much make a living off of, you know, just having an Instagram following who buys my work on my, in my shop. So not to mention the fact that because I'm more well-known and I have that little blue check mark by my, by my name, like art directors, I get emails all the time from art directors who found me on social media. So, so great. But you did build it and that's how and it, worked. it did come and it did take a very long time. So I like to give people perspective. So right now I have like 426,000 Instagram followers. Granted, there are people who joined Instagram a year ago who have more than I do because they're doing something like that went viral or is like right. the Mickey or whatever. I joined Instagram 10 years ago in 2011 mm-hmm. and it has taken me all of those 11 years to build this following. Um, there are people who've been on just as long as I have, who've been trying, who haven't built as large a following. So I'm not saying that I haven't, you know, been successful at it, but it was still a lot of work and I never bought followers. I like really value authentic engagement. And so I'm really hesitant to do, uh, things like, um, you know, influencer campaigns and stuff. Cause I really just want people following me who like my art and like what I right. you know and are interested in what I have to say, not people who are there because somebody told them they were going to, you know, win something win, or... win a giveaway or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So I've been, you know, it's been, it's paid off for me because my, my followers are, are not necessarily as engaged in like commenting or liking my posts as much as they are engaged in coming to my events and buying things. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. Right. And I also have an audience of like art directors who come and ask mm-hmm. me to do things and and p- new people who followed me for years, who've never had a reason to hire me, like the wired art director who, yeah. you know, who just the other day was like, finally, I have this thing for you.
0: Mm-hmm. So.
1: Um, and it's consistency. Yeah. And it, it is, you have to show up a lot. It's okay to take breaks, but you know, consistency, and then, you know, really making sure that you're honing your artistic voice and that, um, and that that is coming through in your feed. If you go back even three years on my feed to when mm-hmm. I just started drawing digitally or, you know, my feed looks so different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And just really in the last three years, I feel like I have a Instagram feed that really could double as my portfolio. For many years, it was like pictures of my cats and dogs and like a little art sprinkled in. And I've become more and more conscious of making sure that my Instagram is still authentic and still me. But, but really when you look at it, you're like, whoa, this girl likes color, you know? Right.
0: right. You see what you're about.
1: Yeah. She likes, she's a hand letterer, you know, even when they're photographs, they're, they're sort of like on brand for me. And right. um, so I think that's another thing to pay attention to is like, what am I posting and, um, if I, am I posting my best work and I, am I posting, I mean, I'm all for using stories and, and other modes for like showing work in progress and even some work in progress is so incredibly beautiful that it warrants mm-hmm. being posted in your main feed. I'm right. not saying everything has to be finished, but really posting stuff that is beautiful and engaging and asking questions. And that's how you're going to build your following, which is ultimately how you're going to get yourself in front of the right people. For you, because people, art directors and editors who follow you are going to follow you because they like your voice and your aesthetic.
0: Exactly. And if somebody's sitting out there listening right now and saying and thinking to themselves, "Well, I don't feel like what I'm doing is beautiful and engaging yet," well, don't 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 think that. (laughs) You know, it's starting (laughs) exactly where you are because if you love being creative and you and you have you have a passion or at least an interest even in that, just start posting what you're doing. I love going back on people's feeds and seeing how they've improved or seeing how they've tried something. And, and it just, it, just like you said, it, that says who that artist is, you know, it starts right. to and tell that story.
1: Right now, your best work right now isn't going to be as good as your best work in five years, right? but it's your best work now. And that's what you should be posting and talk about how you're not exactly sure if you like it yet, you know, tell stories, be a real human being. That's, what's going to make people connect with you. Um, not just, you know, the art directors who are eventually going to want to hire you, but the people who are going to shop in your shop yes, or exactly. support you in other ways. I like to talk to my students, my college students about the difference between an audience and customers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's overlap. Like if you made a Venn diagram there, there'd be a big plop in the middle, but There are people who will, um, who are not your customers. They don't buy things from your shop necessarily. Maybe they don't, they're they're anti consumer or whatever. Like they don't, maybe they just, you know, just don't have a lot of money, whatever. But they comment on every post and they like every post and they Mm -hmm. share your work with other people and they come to your events online. And they, you know, there are people who are in your audience who never pay a dime that are really valuable to you. Mm, that's a good Actually, point. And they might, their uncle might be the art director at, at the New York Times. Yeah. You never know. And <laughs> you know, right. you never know. And so, like, treating everyone who comes and engages with you, whether they pay a dime for your work or not, as like valuable parts of your community, mm-hmm. they're, they're your cheerleaders. Like, sometimes, a lot of times, those people are like, there's a big overlap, right? Right. But it's not always true. And um, a lot of artists would argue that your most valuable, your most valuable followers are your, are your customers are the people who hire you, right. Mm. To do illustration or licensing jobs. But I, I don't actually, I mean, I think that that's valuable to you, you know, monetarily, but I also think that like the enthusiasts out there who love your work and maybe they've only bought something once for their granddaughter,
0: but they just love your
1: your support, those people they make you look good, right? <laughs> they're, they're really important, and they also like it's usually really genuine, and they'll write yeah. you notes that'll that will make your day and your DMs. Yes. And I love those people. And um, I have enough people who buy stuff from me now. Yeah. But really thinking about like who's my audience and who's my customer, and then who's yeah who's my ideal right person to be in front of and sometimes that's going to be an art director or a an editor or an art buyer Um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes that's going to be um, a customer who's going to come into your shop and you have way better chance of making money from a shop than you do licensing Um, at least in the beginning it still takes a while to build build up your shop so that people are are actually going to, you know, you get enough people to buy stuff that it's going to make you money. And then there's, there's your cheerleaders who don't spend a dime, but they really contribute to your overall kind of like social media. It's
0: your foundation. I love how, how all those categories kind of come back to what we said in the beginning, where getting yourself in front of the right people. And what does that even mean? Because, because all those examples that you're speaking to are growing you they're, they're supporting your growth. They're supporting your, your path, your creative path or whatever path you're on. Um, and I think, I think they're all so important to think about, you know, I think we tend to be like, how do I find the buyer's name for X, Y, Z? Well, go look on their website or LinkedIn, but how do I find those people that are going to come back and cheerlead for me when maybe my day's, you know, rainy.
1: When that person at that company, that you found on LinkedIn never wrote you back. And exactly. exactly like right. seriously, I mean, I am um somebody who has a lot of followers and a lot of engagement and sales and all those things that I worked, you know, for the last however many years to build. And those things are all really wonderful. But I tell you, the DMs and emails I get from people who just let me know that something I said made them think differently about something or that they, you know, thank you for being such a positive force in the world or whatever, like that. Is that's like hmm. that's amazing, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people would say, Well, put your money where your mouth is and buy something from me. And like, I guess because I've never really taken that approach, right? Um, those people feel welcome in my space, even if they don't buy something, you know.
0: It that's money in your bank, you know, that's money in your in your personal, you know, a comment, a compliment, an I noticed. Oh my gosh, that goes so far when when we might have a day that that art director didn't write us back. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, somebody is seeing me.
1: You know, there's a lot of posts that have been going around lately of different artists have been making them. And I, I apologize that I'm not naming people um, who have done these posts and I, and there've been a few different versions floating around, but it's like ways that you can support artists. Hmm. Um, and it's like everything from liking posts to commenting, like I think 50% of them are not, you know, like buying something from them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um They're just simple things you can do that help amplify the work of somebody who you admire and especially artists who are new and young or maybe not young, but new and have work that resonates for you, like share it. Because when you're sharing other people's work, other people are going to share your work. It's this very Mm -hmm. reciprocal thing. That's what I was saying earlier, like following art directors and, and brands. I've gotten jobs because I've commented on brands before. And then somebody at the brand noticed and then was like, who's this? You know, so that happens sometimes. But even like commenting on the work of other artists yeah. um, on Instagram, that person can support you. Maybe that yeah, somebody follows that person who's going to notice your comment and look at your, your, um, your feed and say, Ooh, who's this person? I'm going right. to follow them and maybe I'll hire them to do this thing. That's, I think the, the thing we need to remember is it's not this kind of like binary process. It's like, it, it's organic and it's like, not, doesn't happen all at once. And it's this person talked to this person and this person saw this. And I mean, the stories people will tell you about how they got connected to the quote right people are going to be all over the map. And it's really just putting yourself out there and being present in the spaces that we can be present in, which right now are social media and other places on the internet, joining groups like, you know, or applying for groups like the art brand Alliance right? Um, and being around other artists in that capacity. Um, Joining Facebook groups for classes that you've taken. Mm-hmm. Um is so important. Yeah. And then out in the world, when COVID's over, we can like go to art openings and go to conferences right. and attend webinars. And I mean, that you can do now, but like just be present, be a be a player, be a community person in the art community, in the illustration community, in the licensing community. Um right. and more and more people will know who you are, know your work and we lift um, each other up. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it. I think like the "if you build it, they will come" method, or the putting yourself directly in front of someone method, are great. But they're really kind of two parts of the same whole, and that's just being part of, you know, advocating for yourself, advocating for others, being part of the community.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree more. I really think that, um, and if you are the kind of person that does that anyway, which so many creatives are. Um, you've already, you already know the value in, in your peers and your friends that you'll never live near, but you'll be, you know, they'll be your best people because you advocate for each other, you cheerlead for each other, you support, and you might just have seen, you know, come to know them because of their work online. So don't forget those little details and how important, you know, we all are to each other. Yeah. It's so true.
1: Like, um, also I had in the beginning of my career, beginning ish of my career, like seven or eight years ago, Um, I had already started, but I was not who I am today or making the work I I make today or anything. And uh, Wendy McNaughton, who's this great, Mm -hmm. she's more of a journalist illustrator, but and book illustrator, but she and I were really close friends and we're still, we're still good friends. And she, she was sort of like, you know, if we were running around the track, she was like two laps ahead of me because just when she started and everything right. and she was getting a lot more work than I was at the time. And she passed on so many jobs to me and some oh. of them weren't the right fit because our styles are really different. But she was like, here's some people I know. And like, I got one job for the human rights campaign for a t-shirt. Mm. I got another book illustration job that Wendy um, referred me for. And there might've been one, I mean, there, who knows if there, she was so humble about it. She wasn't like, Hey, I referred you for this job, you know, right. <laughs> can right. I get a finder's fee? But like, <laughs> to me it was just like it made me want to do that for other people too and i often when i can't take a job i like will say well have you have you thought about you know here's another person who can do this or if it's something that's out of your interest or skill set and if you get yourself in a community of people who want to support each other then there's a possibility that somebody could refer you for a job that they either don't want or they're not you know they don't have time for and yeah. that's why being friends with other people who do what you do—that's part of why, why, it, why it's really beneficial for everyone because we can share our resources and opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: I just forever grateful for this industry, this broader creative, I don't know, family is kind of cliche, but just the people, it's just my favorite part of any day is kind of digging in, finding somebody new, having something come across my feed that is beautiful. Or I think the colors are interesting or, you know, takes my breath away for a second. We, we need that in, in the craziness and I find it in this community.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Oh I hope there's, I
0: I personally think there's tons of value in this and thank you for your thoughts. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to keep doing these because Lisa and I are kind of fascinated by the process and it's so easy just to kind of pop on something and tell your story, but digging in like this, again, it's, it's why we're here. It's why we're in this space. And so there you go.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for the next topic. And if you, we've got a, a list, but if you have suggestions for either of us, let us know. Please do pop them in my
0: DMS, the windowsill chat, uh, Instagram. We'll make space for that for sure. Cause we want to hear, we want to talk about what you want to hear. So yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks my dear. Thanks Margo. That this was, cool. was fantastic. Until the next time. That's it for this episode of windowsill chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app, and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantowstudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one everyone and stay creatively curious.